Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We are so glad you're with us. We're a Bible-based church from Ontario, Canada, and together we're on a mission to reach people far from Christ and see them become devoted followers of Him. Christmas can be such a festive, merry, and joyful time. Well, that's until it's not. Then nothing makes sense. In today's message, we're going to explore the idea that God's presence isn't only experienced in the good times, but also in the noisy, messy, and chaotic seasons of life. With that, let's turn it over to our executive pastor, Todd Cook, as he brings us part two of our present series, In the Chaos. All right, good morning. We have, uh, as Jason and uh, Jackson have alluded to, uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit about chaos this morning, a very festive topic. Um, we've had lots of good examples of it this morning already. Uh, in the first service, um, there were some people sitting right here, and their phone went off multiple times. That was chaotic. And then I found out after the service, I never, I'm not foolish enough to have my phone up here, but my watch is connected to it, and someone kept calling me, and I was like, do people not know that I'm up here? Do they not know it's Sunday? After service, a friend of mine, we used to be friends, um, a friend of mine told me that since the topic was chaos, he thought he would just keep calling me to distract me throughout the message. So that was great. And then there's the fact that Jason and I both got here early to help do setup. And both of us for like weeks have had this weird dry cough and both this morning didn't really have a voice. And we're both chugging Buckley's. So if anyone knows the limit of how much you can have in a morning, let it, it's too late. But we've had a little bit of it. But uh, yeah, we're going to be talking a little bit about God's presence in the middle of chaos this morning. Because in the hustle and bustle and busyness of Christmas, it's really easy to get lost in the chaos, isn't it? It's really easy to get lost in the chaos and the distraction. And today, uh, I just want to explore the idea that God's presence is available to us, not just on silent nights, but in the messy and the noisy times of life as well. I will do my very best to keep my voice, but there might be a cough break or two. We'll do our best. We'll see. So last week, Pastor Nathan, he brought this gift up, and he talked about how for many of us, Christmas, I don't know what's in here. I'm very curious. I want to open it, but it's probably supposed to stay here for the series. He talked about how when we're kids... Christmas is a lot about presents. We want to know what we're going to get on Christmas morning. And, and that's true. And, and I still like presents. But what's also true is, as Pastor Nathan said, as we get older, it becomes about presents. It becomes about the people we're around, doesn't it? It becomes the people that we spend time with on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or any time around uh, the holiday season. Now, last week, we talked about the whole idea um, that God does not just want to be generally with his people, but he wants to be with us. Like intimately, very personally with us. He talked a little bit about Moses and Exodus. And, and Moses actually said, God, if your presence is not with me, I don't want any part of this. I don't want to do any of this. It seemed really important to him. But this week, I want to talk a little bit about God's presence in the chaos. Christmas often seems like this perfect harmony of beauty and chaos. And maybe the harmony of the beauty and the chaos is what makes it so great. 
but it can also be something that is so distracting. And when the chaos gets too loud, the beauty gets a little overwhelmed. Now, when we think of the Christmas story, I think we have a picture of a nativity scene here. And it kind of seems like perfect, right? Like everybody's smiling and happy. None of the animals are pooping because the animals poop at my house and that's not as happy. And uh, we won't even go there about dogs in my house right now because I'll get in trouble. But uh, when we think of the Christmas story, we think of this perfect story, baby Jesus, everybody's safe. The animals are smiling, the starry night, the shepherds, the angels, the wise men bringing gifts. We think of all of those things. Perfect peace and joy and hope throughout the story of Christmas. For many of us, this very scene is very beautiful. It's serene. It's nostalgic even. But those aren't always the go-to words that I use to describe Christmas in the 21st century. Sadly, I don't know about you, but I don't always feel God's presence throughout the Christmas season. But today, I wanted to talk about how it is possible for us to experience the presence of God in the beauty and in the chaos. So when life doesn't seem clear, when maybe it doesn't make sense, maybe you feel a little bit alone, maybe it just feels a little bit like chaos, it might feel like driving on an unknown windy road in the middle of a snowstorm, which is, is exactly what I got to do last weekend. Now last weekend, Cooper and I, my second born 17-year-old son, we went to a hockey tournament in Pembroke. For those of you who don't know where Pembroke is, it is at the end of a lot of very windy roads and hills going all over the place, about three hours northeast of here. Now, there's a few things you need to know about Pembroke. Number one, mullets are always in. So if you have a mullet, you will fit right in. It's fantastic. Number two, they get a lot of snow, and the snow is often heavy. Number three, a fashion item of choice is pajama pants. You know the plaid pajama pants? And, and that was fortunate because Cooper, <clears throat> we get to the hotel. So he finishes his first game. He's in dress clothes for the game. And we get to the hotel. He puts his bag back and he starts going through the bag. And in a way that only Cooper can, he kind of almost cheerfully says, he's like, Dad, I didn't bring any pants. I'm like, that's fantastic, Coop. But the best part is, He didn't skip a beat. He shrugs his shoulders, pulls out some plaid pajama pants, and just says, guess I'm rocking these this weekend with a big smile on his face, which I just think is so weird because when I was a kid, that would have been chaos. That would have been devastating. I know any of my other three children, we would have been on our way immediately to a store to buy them pants. Cooper was cool to rock the pajama pants. And you know what? He didn't stand out. We went to malls. We went to restaurants. There was always others in pajama pants. It was really, really fantastic. But that brings me to our drive home. Now, we knew the whole weekend that there was going to be the storm, a lot of snow coming on the night we were going to be going home. And I was driving, and the snow was really heavy. Not fun to drive in. Unfamiliar roads, winding up and down around lakes. Not fun. But it didn't take long for my wipers to stop cooperating. They were not cooperating at all. And it bugs me because I actually prepared for this. I replaced them three weeks ago, and they didn't work. Now, fortunately, the passenger side worked fine. The top and bottom 25% worked fine. I just, you know, the middle important part, that, that part, the part where you actually see the road and the ditch and the everything, yeah, that part was not working at all. 
It, it felt a little bit like chaos. There were some scary moments. You feel a little bit alone in the dark, in the snow, unfamiliar roads, and you can't even see in front of you because of these stupid wipers. It was not very much fun. Sometimes, when I think of the holiday season, I think of it like that. There's lots of good things happening, good things around. I was with my son, which I loved. I didn't love that I was relying on him on if I made it, if I was too close to the ditch on his side, but whatever, we made it. But I love that time, but it didn't feel great. And sometimes at Christmas, I think we can feel that. It might feel, you might feel a bit lost, a bit alone, a bit uncomfortable, a bit chaotic. See, at Christmas, we feel like we're supposed to be merry and joyous and feel so close to God. But what happens? What do we do when we don't feel that way? We might feel tired, confused, or far from God. But here's the thing. Even in the original Christmas story, there is beauty, and we talked about that, but there is also chaos. And I wanted to read a little bit. I'm going to be reading just a little bit about that. We're going to start in in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, where it says this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, and all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in an inn. Now, if we kept reading this story, we would start reading about shepherds and angels which is a really cool part of the Christmas story. If we read the chapter before this, we would learn about an angel coming and appearing to Mary and letting her know that she was about to be the mother of the Son of God. That's incredible. If we read in Matthew's account of these same stories, we would read about an angel that would visit Joseph. We would learn about the wise men that would come carrying gifts. See, we know this story because the entirety of this story is is told through Christmas concerts, Christmas services, Christmas programs, Charlie Brown Christmas, all of them. We know this story so, so well. But I think often we forget about the context of this story, which certainly adds to the chaos. It is quite literally the chaos of Christmas. And when you hear those words together, you might agree there is chaos at Christmas, or you might push back. Let me remind you that we all have that weird uncle at our family Christmas. We all have that. We all have an extended family. We all have things that happen in our lives that make Christmas a little bit chaotic. Before we dive into this context, I want to give a really quick and basic definition for chaos, which is this, complete disorder and confusion. As we go through the context of this story, I hope that you will think of it through this lens, complete disorder and confusion. And as we read through the account in the Bible of that, think about in our lives when we feel this very same thing, complete disorder and confusion. So here we go, the context of the Christmas story. Number one, the religious leaders of the time were not necessarily looking out for the benefit of the people. They were not necessarily all leading them to God. Hopefully there were some good ones that did, But what we would learn during Jesus' ministry is the fact that many of those leaders were actually out for status and power and money. They were not out to lead people closer to God. Of course, there was the political unrest. 
Not only was Rome occupying Israel at this time, which would have had its hardships, but then there's this imperial decree that makes it so Mary and Joseph have to go on this long journey. And then, of course, there's the scandal. The scandal of the pregnancy of Mary, who was not married yet. And they lived in a small town, and small towns talk. And you can imagine what they would say in those times. That must have felt like chaos. Must have felt like complete disorder and confusion for Mary and Joseph. And then, and then, I think about the whole traveling portion of this. The whole traveling long distances with your pregnant wife. I've been in that position before, and I won't tell you any stories because Carolyn's here, so I won't tell any stories about that, but there can be challenges with that. I can't imagine doing a long journey on a donkey while pregnant. This just sounds like a recipe for disaster. You know, we might think that there's chaos in our life, but in Bible times, everything was just perfect, just right, and that's not the case. But we have all experienced our little bits of Christmas chaos, haven't we? I want to give you a little glimpse in one type of chaos. I'm going to touch on a few this morning, but one type. And this is just a snippet of my life, approximately from the years of 2010 to 2014. This was a season of life where Carolyn and I had four kids under the age of 10. And Christmas was very exciting, uh, but very, very chaotic. I can remember the two days of Christmas. So I'm starting with Christmas Eve day. We would wake up in the morning and I would be really excited. This was the day we went to my family's Christmas. My brothers and their families and the cousins and everyone is getting together. I would be really excited. My kids would be really excited. Carolyn would have an eye twitch, which I wasn't quite sure. I didn't know why she didn't understand the uh, spirit of Christmas. But eventually, uh, I I did figure that out. If I helped a little more, things went smoother. Um, But this day was so, so chaotic. I can remember it would start with us loading our minivan, right? Because you have four kids, you got to have a minivan. You're loading it with diaper bags and clothes and presents and food. And then, because this is a cooked Christmas, a lot of hockey equipment. A lot of hockey equipment. There was a rink at my parents' place, so it is like jammed. Like, poor Sawyer was the youngest. He didn't really actually have a spot. He was just on some stuff, but we made it there. I guess that's what being the fourth porn is all about. But I remember most of that day, you would walk into my parents' house, and it's so exciting. There's chocolate everywhere, so everyone's diving into the chocolate. We put the presents under the tree, and then, and then some people which will be, remain unnamed, start shaking presents, and then their kids do too, and the cousins, and everyone's shaking presents, and then it happens. The first kid wants to go on the rink. So, with lots of cousins and four kids of my own, as soon as one wants to go on the rink, everyone wants to go on the rink. And if you've ever got young kids ready to go on the rink, you know this is not any small feat. You're getting them in their warm clothes, putting the skates on, tying up the skate. One set of skates, two, three, four. You're tying up skates. And then, of course, they want you to go out with them, which is fantastic. You go out, you make some memories. Then your brother body checks one of them into a metal pole. So you have to bring him in and take the skates off because he's crying. Then he wants to go back out. So you bring him back out, but everyone else goes in. So now he's sad because he's all alone. But soon enough, we're putting everyone's skates back on. They're going in there. And then they're taking them off, and my parents are coming out, and they're trying to skate, and that's scary. And all of this is happening, and in the midst, we're going in between, we're talking to each other, we're eating lots of chocolate, we're eating a big meal. As soon as the meal's done, 
what does one kid say? Hey, can we go back on the rink? So you're getting all the warm clothes on, all the skates on. We're halfway to the rink. I got to go pee. All right, we're going back in the house. This is literally what our Christmas Eve day is like. You do this for eight hours, eight hours. And you're thinking, this is chaos. I just need to go to bed. Except if you're our family, everyone else goes to bed. We get our four kids dressed up in dress clothes and go to a midnight Christmas Eve service. We go to the service. We haven't seen some of the people at Selwyn for a long time, so we're there talking for a long time. We get home around one-ish, maybe quarter after one. We read the stories. We put everyone to bed. And then we have to start putting the presents out. You have to build a couple presents. You have to make room under the tree for Santa to put his presents. And then the scariest, most frightening part of a Christmas Eve, trying to remember where did I hide Carolyn's presents. I know I picked a good spot this year. And then you can't find it and you're tired. 2.30, you get in your bed. You're like, wow, that was fun. (laughs) You go to sleep three and a half hours later. Santa was here. The kids are up. You go to the tree. You open the presents. You don't really clean. You kind of pretend a little bit. You eat chocolate for breakfast. And then we get back in the vehicle for day two of chaos. I mean, Christmas. That's what we do. This one's different. We go to Carolyn's mom's house. There's not other siblings. There's not other cousins. It's this small, cozy house on the lake on Shimong Lake. And it's really nice, except four kids under 10. Carolyn's in the kitchen with her mom, helping to prepare supper. And I am there with these kids that have a lot of energy, because all they've eaten is chocolate for the past 48 hours. Tons of energy. We are surrounded by a bunch of really old and very brittle things and people And that's relatives and friends all looking around. Carolyn's not in the room. I'm in the room. They're all scowling at me because I can't control my kids. Why are they playing mini hockey in the living room? Why are they wrestling? It's chaos. I'm not even going to go any further because honestly, I'm just tired from this. But it seems a far cry from the peace and tranquility that I read about in the gospel accounts of Jesus' birth. I am sure... I know that God's presence was there in those days. But I don't know that I slowed down enough to even acknowledge it, never mind embrace it. And that's what I want to talk a little bit about this morning. I'm having a little bit of fun about crazy amounts of activity. That's only one type of chaos. There's going to be those of you in this place that you've been part of the family Christmas where politics comes up or wars Or what kind of world are our kids growing up in? And there's different views. That can be very chaotic. Some of you in this place have been there at Christmas. Or maybe it's this year where you just have this deep hurt. Because maybe you're estranged from your family. Or there's been a breakup of a relationship. Maybe this is the first Christmas that you've ever experienced. Or that you've experienced for decades without your spouse. As they've passed away this past year. That's chaos. That's chaos when you're trying to enjoy the presence of God at Christmas and all these things that can feel very much like disorder and confusion. Not knowing how to feel better, how to feel God's presence. But I want to assure you it's possible. And I want to look at that today. How on earth do we feel God's presence there? There is hope because God is a God that doesn't avoid chaos, he consistently enters the chaos to be with his people. Now I want to read 
a small portion of scripture here and tell a bit of a story that maybe isn't told a lot of Christmas sermons. It's found in Daniel 3. The context for this story is the Jewish people are in exile. They're in Babylon. This is not their homeland. And the king who is there, King Nebuchadnezzar, he builds this golden image and he makes this decree that every time the music plays, everyone needs to bow and worship this golden image. Now, there's three devout Jewish men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You may have heard of them. They refused to do this. They were reported by one of the underlings. So Nebuchadnezzar goes to them and says, hey, listen, here's the deal. There's a statue there. The music's going to play. You're going to bow down. If you do not, there's a fiery furnace, and that is a terrible way to die. And he's like, who could possibly save you from that? And I want to pick this up in verse 16 of chapter 3. And it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, and this is bold, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. I can't imagine that being my response, but that was their response. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. They dug their heels in and said, we will not do this. I can imagine the chaos that would have been going on in their minds. They were trusting in God, but this was a very chaotic situation. Of course, King Nebuchadnezzar, he's not very happy with this response. He gets really angry, gets them to crank up the fiery furnace. Other people that are even close to the furnace are dying. And then he throws the three men in. We pick it up in verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men, unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods." What happened in this story, if you've never read it before, is there was either an angel or the pre-incarnate Jesus. We don't know who it is, but we know this was someone from the very presence of God that entered those flames with these men. Not only were they not hurt, but the king that actually saw this. And I can imagine this king that was just so forceful and threatening to these people. What is his response after this happened? He's probably terrified. So this king, he actually makes this new law that nobody can say anything bad about the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In the middle of the chaos, God met them. He was present in the chaos and the flames. He was present in the chaos at the time of Jesus' birth. And I can assure you that Jesus is present with us today. See, God is present with us in the chaos And it's not just when we show up Sundays. I I hope there's no one here that believes that. That the only time you can experience God's presence is on a Sunday. While that can be true, you are not reliant on the band playing all the right notes and the preacher saying all the right things, making you laugh a few times, making you think about something a few times. We're not relying on that. See, God shows up in the good and the bad, in the beauty, in the chaos, in the perfect and in the imperfect. See, Christmas is not about God mending our broken world from a distance. Like, God is not a God that's way back here and it's just like, uh, be better, people. He's not that. He didn't just send 
the Bible, and that's it. Actually, he sent his son who entered into actual history, into our experience and experienced everything that we were to experience. It's incredible when you think about it. The God of the universe, the same God that saved these men in the flames, came down to earth in the Christmas story. In Philippians 2, 5 to 8, it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This Jesus did not just come to just live a life as a king, to have all the perks of life. No, he came to die on a cross. He came to be in the chaos. The world that Jesus entered is the same world I described earlier. One with political unrest, a conquered people. God's people and the leaders of the church at that time or the faith at that time had lost their way. Born in a stable or a cave, surrounded by animals. In a trough, it was chaos. It was chaos, but God's presence was there. So this morning, what I want to share with you a little bit is how do we experience God's presence in the chaos this Christmas? Through all the windy roads, when it feels like we can't see, either because we're too busy or there's just too much hurt, how do we experience God's presence this Christmas? The first way we can do this, and this is a really easy one, it'll be quick, is that we can pause. We can stop. Because none of us can change anything without stopping to reconsider other options and to reset. I I think in the busyness of Christmas, the, the Christmas I described of us experiencing when my kids were a little bit younger, we think of that, but we need breathing room. We need to pause. We need to stop. The chaos of pain or loss or deep hurt will send our thoughts spiraling. We will easily forget that God is with us. We need to pause. Number two is to fix our eyes on him. To fix our eyes on him. That sounds like a really good Christian thing to say. But hear me out, that we would fix our eyes on him. When I was driving back from Pembroke, I did have one advantage. I was following my brother in his truck and his working wipers, which was fantastic. Because the roads were one thing, and fishtailing's fun, but when you can't see, it's not fun. But even though I couldn't see the details of the road, or kind of where the road started and finished and all of that, through that frozen bit of windshield, I could see his taillights the whole way. I saw his taillights the whole way, except when we went over a hill or turned a corner. And those moments, even though they were just for seconds, they felt awful. You do actually feel really alone on a road when you can't see anything. But I followed those taillights until the weather got better. Now, on the other end, I was following my brother, and if he ended up in a ditch, that's where I was going too, but I trusted in him. And no one is going to tell him that I related him to Jesus here. But anyways, we fix our eyes. It's, it's, it's handy that he's not here. Uh, but we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. It says in Hebrews 12, Therefore, since we have surrounded by so, glad, uh, so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How? Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy was set before him, again, he entered into the chaos. He endured the cross, despising the shame, 
and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Some practical ways that I think we can fix our eyes on Jesus this Christmas and it will help us to feel the presence of God this Christmas are one, we can have some traditions in our home that focus on Jesus. That doesn't sound super groundbreaking, but there's a lot of distractions, a lot of noise, a lot of different traditions and things we can celebrate at Christmas time. I encourage you in your home, whether you live alone or have a big family or somewhere in between, I encourage you, have some traditions that focus on Jesus. Number two is prayer. Pastor Nathan just did a great series on prayer. And part of it, he was talking about how we align ourselves up with the will of God. That's such an important way for us to fix our eyes on Jesus. A gratitude journal. I'm not even saying forever, but if you started today, between now and the 26th, if you did a gratitude journal, there would be some things that you were thankful for today that once you enter the chaos of those few days around Christmas, you might forget. And it's good to look back. Use it as a tool to look back and fix your eyes on him. And the other is to surround yourself or be around some other Christ-centered people this Christmas season. Whether it be a small group or just a friend, it can be the encouragement, the refocusing that you need, and you'll be able to provide the same thing for them. So number two, fix your eyes on Jesus. Number three is to hold on to his promise. Hold on to his promise. In Luke 2, just a few verses after we ended before, I wanted to read about a man named Simeon. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, and you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation in the Gentiles, to the Gentiles, and for the glory of your people, Israel. See, Simeon was living in the same context, the same troubles, the same chaos that Mary and Joseph and Jesus lived in. The very same ones. But he had decided to cling to the promises of God. He had decided to cling to the the prophecies that he had read in Isaiah and Jeremiah and Micah that promised this Messiah coming, he clung to those. He clung to the fact that the Holy Spirit had told him that he was going to meet the Messiah before he died on this earth. He did all of those things. And I know we as people just don't like waiting. Nobody likes waiting. I don't like it. I know none of you like waiting either. But I think when we're in the middle of chaos, our threshold for waiting goes way, way down. But I want to encourage you this Christmas to, even if you're in the chaos, to hold on to the promises of Scripture. Hold on to His Word. Hold on to verses like Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It doesn't matter what the chaos looks like. You are with me. Simeon held on to God's promise, and we should too. Wait and trust for his faithfulness. Jackson talked about that earlier. Which brings me to the last one, which is this. Embrace his presence in the midst of the beauty 
in the chaos. Please don't hear this this morning. I'm not saying chase after chaos this Christmas to find God's presence. I'm saying that God's presence is found in the beauty and in the chaos. In Psalm 139, it says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Listen, God's presence is with us in the chaos and in the beauty, in the ideal, in the comfortable, and in the really uncomfortable. See, the story of Jesus is not a gospel of this person who makes everything perfect. And I'm sorry if you are in this place and you are sold that as soon as you are a Christian, everything will be perfect, everything will work out, everything will be great. You're going to be rich and famous and never have a problem again because it's simply not true and we all know that. See, the gospel is actually about the fact that God is with us in our joy and in our sorrow. He's with us in our hope and in our despair, through our tears, through our laughter. He's there. See, all these pairs are made beautiful by Emmanuel. They're made beautiful because he is with us. When we're in the highest moments, when everything is going right, when you are having the perfect Christmas, God's presence is there. When times of life have crushed you and you feel like you are in that valley and you are all alone and nothing makes sense, and this could happen at Christmas, know that you are not alone, that he is right there. If you are crying tears of grief and pain, he is right there with you, right there crying beside you. You know what, while we're laughing at maybe the crazy uncle at Christmas dinner or whether we're crying or grieving tears with a friend who we're sitting with because this is their first Christmas without their spouse, God's there right in the middle of it. He's in the busyness. He's in the calm. He's in the pain. He's in the comfort. He's in the joy. He's in it all. God's presence is a thread that is weaving through both tranquility and turmoil. The beauty and the chaos, it's right through the middle of all of it. It's not either or, it is both. In the beauty and in the, in the chaos. And I want to encourage you not to wait for a perfect Christmas. Don't, well, don't watch Hallmark Christmas movies anyway because they're terrible. But don't wait for that Christmas to be your perfect existence. Because it just might not be. I, I've never totally understood the song and it talks about roasting chestnuts over an open fire. Like, it sounds relaxing, I guess. I, someone told me after service that they're delicious. I don't know. I guess maybe I'll find out. Might try them in the air fryer. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but some Christmases will feel like that. It feels like that perfect, cozy, perfect roasting chestnuts over an open fire. There's going to be other Christmases in your life that are going to feel a little bit more like burning peanuts over a dumpster fire. And you know what? Both are going to happen. We're going to walk through both. But I want to let you know that God is with you in all of them. If you're sitting in grief or pain or loss this morning, God is there with you. If you can't get your bearings because there's so much chaos and relational distress in your family, just know God is with you. If you're overwhelmed with all that's going on in the world right now, know that God is with you. See, Jesus came to earth for us, to be with us. And then when he ascended to heaven, he promised us this helper, the Holy Spirit. 
And it says in Scripture that not only will the Holy Spirit is He on earth, but He can be with us and He can be in us. Most of us aren't going to experience the perfect Christmas this year. Hopefully there's lots of good ones. Some Christmases will be full of beauty, full of joy and peace and really happy memories and really awesome times. Maybe some chestnuts over an open fire, something like that. That's, that's awesome. But there's going to be others that it's going to be a tough one, one marked with a bit of sadness and loneliness. Yet others will simply experience this nonstop roll of events, festivities, maybe even obligations. And the sad thing is, we might actually miss the point of the whole thing, to be present with him. So in the midst of all of it, I want to encourage you that God wants to be present with you this Christmas. In the good and the bad, he wants to be present. And with his presence, what we need this Christmas, maybe joy or peace or comfort, but, but I think for all of us, even if time's going well, I think Christmas and hope are very synonymous. I hope you find hope this Christmas. And with Jesus' presence with you, you will find hope. Hope in the chaos. Even though it will come and go, God's presence will remain there. Hope that we don't have to strive to provide this like perfect Christmas for our family or for our kids. And maybe this hope that we can experience a personal and real relationship with Jesus. And maybe you've been in church for a few weeks or a few years or a few decades. And you've heard people talk about that. Please know that this is a real thing that can be experienced. The absolute presence of God. And we can experience this by pausing. By fixing our eyes on him. By holding on to his promises. And by embracing his presence this Christmas. Whether it's marked by beauty or chaos. God is with us inviting us to experience the fullness of his love and grace this Christmas. For some of us, it is going to feel like it's out of a Hallmark movie. There's going to be some pretty perfect moments. There's going to be others. There's going to be at least moments or even a day where we kind of have to rock the pajama pants for the day, which we might be doing anyway. But we've got to kind of grasp onto the ideal and just knowing that God is with us. I pray that this Christmas we embrace his presence that we would find peace, joy, and hope in the one who is faithful, the one who is present, and the one who is with us. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for the people listening to this message, God. I pray that you help us all to find your presence this Christmas, God, that we wouldn't lose sight of you because we're too busy, God. We wouldn't lose sight of your love because we hurt so much, God. We would know you were with us, God. I just thank you for being present with us, God. And as, as people in this place reach out to you, maybe not even knowing how to do that or how to experience your presence, that you would meet us there. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, that's it from us. Thank you so much for joining. Please stay connected with us. Be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's Pathway Church PTBO. Hey, God is at work in this world, and we feel so blessed that we get to be a part of what he is doing. Have a great day wherever you're at, and we hope to see you soon.